Good morning. For those of you who may not know me, my name is Travis Sharp. Um, I have some sort of job title here. I have no idea uh, what that job title actually is, uh, but I get to do some education and some leadership development, and today I get the honor of uh, giving uh, Chris a break and being able to speak a word of the Lord to you. Um, it's something I used to do all the time, and I don't get to do very often anymore. And it's something that I take, um, I feel is a great honor, uh, to wrestle with Scripture for, for weeks at a time, looking for a word from the Lord, not just for me, but for a group of people. And so I pray that the Spirit today will speak through me, to speak to you and to your heart exactly what you need to hear today, whatever that is. And that the Spirit will use my inadequacies and my mistakes and my goofy comments to somehow speak truth to your heart. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke 2 again today. As we kind of close out this whole Christmas story and this uh, idea of songs, uh, there's at least one more song in Scripture uh, around the birth of Jesus that we're going to look at today. So in Luke 2... Starting in verse 22, the word of the Lord this morning. Now when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, that's Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation of the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Now there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. And at that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is always an interesting time of year. This week in between Christmas and and New Year, right? Christmas has happened, and that's exciting, but we're not quite to New Year's yet, and so this is kind of an interesting year, time of year. Now, my profession, at least the last few years, has been in education, 
And my parents uh, were both in education growing up, and my dad always told me the best part about teaching is June, July, and August. Uh, I'm starting to think December is pretty good too. Uh, having this kind of time off uh, in between uh, the end of classes and, and the start of the new year. But even when I was in ministry full-time that I did for over 20 years, right, this still was kind of a slower week. Uh, it's just a time where, where you get to kind of slow down some. There's not usually as many times to get together. There's not usually as many activities going on. Sometimes we would spend time together with family, uh, off visiting. Sometimes it was just slower at home. Uh, but this is an interesting week, kind of it's relaxing, it slows down, but, but not quite sure exactly what to do because Christmas is done, but you're not quite to New Year's yet. Now, I recognize that I've lived kind of a privileged life, and I'm living really kind of a privileged life now in the sense that I kind of get to take some time off. I know some people, a lot of people, don't get to take this week off. For some of you, this has been a, a full, normal week uh, of work. Maybe you got Christmas off. Maybe some of you didn't even get Christmas off. Uh, and if you're a day laborer or if you're essential, then this was a regular, regular work week. And so I recognize, right, that I'm somewhat speaking from a privileged position and that, that I've been able to have some, some jobs where I've gotten to slow down. And for some of you, you're just like, I don't know what you're talking about, right? This is just normal like everything. But, but still, even with that, it's kind of a different kind of week. Some people are trying to finish up some projects from work. Some people are trying to, to just spend some extra time with family. Some of you are just using your vacation days before they disappear on January 1st. And so here we sit, after Christmas, but before New Year's. I think maybe part of what makes this, this time so weird is the built-up for Christmas. Now, I have to admit, I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite time of year, which is really weird because I didn't celebrate Christmas till I was seven, but that's a whole different kind of story. But I love Christmas. I love everything about Christmas. I love the lights. I love the decorations. I love the trees. I love the giving and receiving of gifts. I love the songs. I love everything. In fact, in the Sharp House, we celebrate Thanksmas. We start on November 1st, and we just keep going because 25 days just isn't enough time. That's right, Chris. I'm on that side, right? The Christmas songs start getting played November 1st. The tree goes up the first free weekend that we have in November. We don't skip through Thanksgiving. We love Thanksgiving. We celebrate it. We're just thankful for Jesus during Thanksgiving, and we just keep on going. We love Christmas. And the build-up for Christmas is so much fun, but it's not just Christmas for me. I love Advent. I love the themes of Advent. I didn't grow up celebrating Advent. I grew up in a, in a church of Christ, and we didn't celebrate Advent because that was something that all the other churches did, and so we didn't do that. But I love Advent. I love the themes of Advent. It's my favorite time of year. Back when I was in full-time preaching, it was my favorite time to preach because these themes of Advent, these themes of hope, peace, joy, and love, they always seemed to speak to exactly what was going on in my life at that moment. And every year, as I hit October and getting into November, I always thought, I need Advent. I need these, these reminders, this, this waiting expectantly for the King to come. 
You see, that's what Advent is. Advent is the four weeks leading up to Christmas, waiting expectantly for the child, waiting expectantly for this one who's going to make the world right, waiting expectantly for the hope that comes in the birth of a child, which seems a little weird. Because often we don't talk about a child as the one who can change the world. We talk about adults change the world and important people change the world and and presidents and people of power and CEOs. Those are the ones that change the world. Not the lowly, not the small, not those that can't even raise their head on their own. And yet the hope of Christians that's been there for thousands of years is that this tiny baby is what changes the world. And the hope that happens in this moment. And so there's that anticipation, not just for the presents to be opened on Christmas morning, but for the present to be here and God to come to earth. But it's not just that expectation that we're waiting for in Advent, because we're also waiting and expecting the second coming of Christ. The time when when God will come back and the beast will be thrown into into the abyss of the sea and all evil and pain and sickness will be gone away and the Christ will reign on the throne and the new creation will come and we'll see the the heavens coming out and joining us here and everything will be wonderful. That's what we long for with Advent. And so it's these, these wonderful themes that are drawing us in and pulling us in, but But here we sit now where that's done. We had Christmas, but we're not quite to New Year's yet. And it's kind of like, what do we do? And that's really kind of where Simeon and Anna find themselves in this story. It's after Christmas, but it's not quite New Year's yet. Simeon and Anna are kind of the forgotten characters in the Nativity play. right? I've yet to find a Nativity set that has Simeon and Anna in it. And I've never seen them placed outside as I'm driving around looking at lights. I never see Simeon and Anna. The wise men always show up. I mean, somehow they're always there, even though they don't show up for probably two years. But they somehow make it into the nativity play. But we never have Simeon and Anna. They come six weeks after, right? I mean, the wise men are really important. They're great. They bring the gifts, the gold and the frankincense and myrrh that allow Mary and Joseph to go off to Egypt and survive there while they're running away from Herod. That's how they're able to live and support themselves. And they're really important, but Simeon and Anna, I mean, they're the forgotten characters. When Mary and Joseph show up, they give the the poor person sacrifice, which means they don't have that gold from the wise men yet. And yet somehow, they're the forgotten characters. No one ever talks about these these two old saints and how they've been waiting, longing for the Messiah to come. They, they kind of flow so seamlessly into the narrative here in Luke that, that we almost forget that we often leave them out. I mean, here we are very early in the story. We're just in chapter 2. We've just had the birth of Jesus. We aren't even to that, that story that we all talk about where Jesus is 12 and goes to the temple We're still in this early part of the story, and it seems like they've always been there as we're reading the text. I mean, if we look at the Gospel of Luke, we've got another 20 chapters before we get to the end. So this is all the way back in the beginning, and we forget that for Simeon and Anna, it's not the beginning. For Simeon and Anna, they've been waiting for a long time. We don't really know a whole lot about Simeon and Anna. Their story is kind of contained in 16 verses. Simeon, we know, was, was a devout man 
who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon had been told at some point by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed. So Simeon would go every day to the temple thinking maybe this will be the day. And every day Simeon would go home and he would lay his head down on his pillow and he would think maybe it'll be tomorrow. Simeon, who spent year after year after year waiting and longing for the Messiah, and year after year after year starting to question, is the promise really true that God has said? Will I really see the Lord's anointed before I die? Because year after year after year, Simeon just got older and older and older. And then we have Anna. Anna, unlike Simeon, Simeon, as a man in this society, he has all kinds of possibilities. Anna's is really a tragic tale, we would think. Anna of the tribe of Asher, Mary's young with all the hopes and the dreams that come from a wedding. These kind of dreams of, of growing old with your spouse, of memories that you're going to share together, of children and hopefully grandchildren. These, these hopes and dreams of celebrating holidays together and feast days together and all that they would experience in their lives. And then seven years into their marriage, tragedy strikes. And Anna's left a widow for the rest of her life. And here she sits at 84 years old, spending her entire life alone, hoping Wondering, waiting for God to make something new. And every day, day after day after day, wondering, will today be the day? It's hard to wait. It's hard to, it's hard to wait for something that's going to come in the future. It's hard to wait for Christmas. I got a text from a friend on Monday, right, Christmas Day, and he was like, when did your kids wake up? Mine got up at 5.30, bouncing off the walls. They couldn't wait to open their presents. I said, sorry, tough luck. Uh, Bennett woke his sisters up at 9.30 because he was tired of waiting, right? That was long enough. It's hard to wait. It's hard to wait for Christmas. It's hard to wait to open presents after they've been under the tree. It's hard to wait for Santa to show up. But that's really kind of a really a small kind of insignificant thing. Many of us are waiting for something a whole lot more stressful. Some are waiting for an acceptance letter to come in the mail. Some are waiting for a job offer, maybe even a marriage offer. Some are waiting for a clean bill of health. Some are waiting and hoping for one more day together with their loved one. It's hard to wait. It's hard to be in these moments of, of waiting and longing. Because as a society, we don't do a whole really good job of waiting. Everything kind of comes so quick and right at our fingertips that we've really lost, we've lost the ability to know how to wait. It's hard to wait. And yet here are Simeon and Anna waiting day after day after day, year after year after year, waiting for the child to come. 
But it's interesting, right? We, the readers, know something that Simeon and Anna don't know. Because we've already read the first part of chapter 2, and we know the child's already been born. We had Christmas last week. Some of us at 5.30 in the morning, and some of us much later in the day, thankfully. But we had Christmas last week. We've already celebrated, right? We, we opened the presents. We rejoice that the baby has come. And, but Simeon and Anna don't know the story somehow. They don't realize the baby's already come. They don't realize he's been laid in the manger. They don't realize the shepherds have already seen. They don't realize the angels have already called, come declaring peace on earth. They don't know that part of the story yet. For them, all they know is the world is still broken. It's still messed up. Sure, it's been six weeks, but they haven't read the first part of Luke. And for them, they look around and they say, the world is still broken. The Messiah hasn't come yet. And maybe that's what makes this week so hard. Maybe what makes this week so hard is the fact that Christmas has come, but the world's still broken. Christmas has arrived and we all celebrated. We had our good times. We put our lights up. We decorated the tree. We put presents underneath. We got together with friends and family. We had all kinds of Christmas parties and Christmas celebrations from classroom parties to work parties. We had a GB Kids Christmas. We had a GBYG Christmas. We had a Yak Christmas. We had a Freebirds Christmas. We had a Young Marys Christmas. We had a Hispanic Christmas. We had all the Christmases. But we look around us and the world's still broken. And we look around us and the things that we have been waiting for haven't happened yet. And the debt we still had before Christmas, we still have. And the marriage that was struggling before Christmas is still struggling. And the job that felt like a dead end before Christmas still feels like a dead end now. And there's still war happening in Ukraine and in Israel and Palestine. And there's still racism and there's still sexism and the rich are still getting richer and the poor are still getting poorer. We waited and we celebrated the birth of the child and that was supposed to change everything and nothing has changed. It's still broken. And so we don't know how to live in this in-between time, in-between Christmas and when everything is finally made right. We don't always know as Christians what to do in those in-between times, our theology doesn't always fit into that very well. We do a great job with our theology when there's a happy silver lining at the end. We do a great job with our theology when, when somehow we see the, the bright thing that happens in the end and we know the waiting is worth it. We, we have a good time with our theology when we can look back years later and we can see God's hand at work. But in the midst of what's happening in the moment, we don't always do a good job with our theology of how to help people live in the moment of the struggle. People come forward and we do a great job of surrounding them and loving on them and saying we're going to be a supportive family. And then we see them a month later and we're just not sure what to say. Because somehow the struggle hasn't magically disappeared. The addiction isn't magically gone. The, 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 what they were asking for didn't magically disappear. And our theology doesn't always do a great job with that. And so here we find ourselves after the birth of Jesus, but before the new creation, 
and we don't know what to do. I feel like we need to reinsert Simeon and Anna into our narrative of Christmas. And as I've been going through this Christmas and Advent season, I keep being drawn to the stories of Simeon and Anna because I believe there's a message there we have to hear. The message of the shepherds is, is vitally important. The fact that, that God comes and reveals himself first, not to the strong and the powerful, but to those that most of society would consider weak and, and not necessary. The shepherds are really important. And the wise men are really important because they give us this hope that God is stretching out beyond the borders of Israel to welcome in the Gentiles from faraway lands and to bring everyone into the kingdom of God. The wise men are important, but so are Simeon and Anna. Because they teach us how to wait in the moment. Picture the scene of these two older saints. Here come Mary and Joseph walking into the temple six weeks after the birth of their child to simply fulfill the requirements of the law. To, to make the proper sacrifices for Jesus, who's their firstborn son, and for Mary's purification offering. They come into the temple assuming they will just be able to slip in and slip out and no one will see them. And instead, here come Simeon and Anna, these two older saints, wrinkled and gray-haired, probably hunched over a little bit, not as strong as they used to be in their younger days. Their voices not as, as strong and as and as as full as they used to be. Their hands leathered of age, not quite as soft. They can't move as quickly as they used to be able to move, and they, they kind of slowly make their way over, and yet they're drawn to this child, this six-week-old who can't even raise his head on his own. This six-week-old who... While the song says, didn't make any sounds, I imagine, like most six-week-old babies, was probably crying and making a little bit of a fuss. Yet they're drawn to this child. And they hold him in their arms. And they sing, now your servants may die in peace, for our eyes have seen the Lord's salvation, which you have prepared for all people. The beauty and the hope that resides in these two 80-year-olds holding this six-week-old child, knowing that hope has come. And they can now die in peace. Because they don't have to see the end of the story to know that God is already fixing the brokenness around them. They don't have to see it all worked out to know that God has brought salvation to earth. And they can rest in that. We need that story. Because the truth is, the world is still broken around us. The problems haven't all been fixed. But there's hope in the story. It's in the signs, it's in the moments, and all we have to do is open our eyes and to see it. And to recognize that the way we live in the moments in between Christmas and New Year's is we rest in the hope that the kingdom is breaking in. And there are signs all around us and we live into those signs and we draw strength from those signs of God doing something new among us. And then we get to do it as well. 
The signs are everywhere. All you have to do is open your eyes. Every time a business makes the decision to diversify their staff and hire minorities into upper management positions is a sign that the kingdom is breaking in. Every time a CEO chooses to, to take a pay cut so that the lowest members in the company can get a pay raise is a sign that the kingdom is breaking in. Every time that a, that a teacher chooses to stay late in unpaid time and to continue to work with a student to help them get just the basic understandings of what's going on is a sign that the kingdom is breaking in. Every time a doctor volunteers their time at a community clinic to serve the poorest of the poor among us and to give them just simple basic health needs, it's a sign that the kingdom is breaking in. Every time a church opens its doors to welcome those who are different, who are broken, who don't fit in, who wear whatever culture has determined at the time is the scarlet letter. But they're welcomed in and they're accepted with arms open wide because the same Jesus who died for my sin is the same Jesus who died for their sin. Every time a church does that, it's a sign that the kingdom is breaking in. The signs are all around us. They're everywhere. And it's easy to see the brokenness of the world. All you have to do is, is open up the paper or, or click onto the internet or keep your ears open at the coffee shop and someone's going to complain about everything that's wrong in the world. But I challenge you, I challenge you as you sit in this moment in between Christmas and the new creation, challenge you to open your eyes and to see the signs of the kingdom breaking in. To make that your resolution for the year. And to see the kingdom breaking in and to participate in it. To help be that sign for somebody else. To live kingdom principles now, even in the midst of the brokenness. Not because we can bring the kingdom, but because it's already here. And we choose to live in that reality. And then we can join our voices with the song of Simeon. For my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he give you peace. We're going to stand and sing a song. I don't know what the Spirit is speaking to you today. Uh, if you need prayers for any reason, uh, you're welcome to come forward. We'd love to pray with you. There's also... Uh, some elders in the back uh, in kind of a prayer room that would love to just sit down and with you. Or grab the person beside you and just say, hey, I need to talk. I need to pray. Um, the kingdom's here. If you would, let's stand.